Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Of the great commentary of Cornelius Elipedi, St. Matthew's Gospel, by Cornelius Elipedi. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 2. 1. The wise men coming to Christ. 11. Worship him. 14. Joseph fleeth into Egypt. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, Behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor, that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem, and said, Go, search diligently for the young child, and when you have found him, bring me word again, that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeareth to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt, and be thou there until I bring thee word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night, and departed into Egypt, and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I have called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth, and sent forth and slew all the children which were in Bethlehem, and in all the coasts thereof, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremy the prophet, saying, In Ramah there was a voice heard, lamentation and weeping, and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and would not be comforted, because they are not. And when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeareth in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother, and go into the land of Israel, for they are dead which sought the young child's life. And he arose and took the young child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. And when he had heard that Archelaus did reign in Judea in the room of his father Herod, he was afraid to go thither. Notwithstanding, being warned of God in a dream, he turned aside into the parts of Galilee, and he came and dwelt in the city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets, He shall be called a Nazarene. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, 
It is better to read here in the Greek in Bethlehem, Judah. Judah means the tribe of Judah, to which, after the schism of the ten tribes, who made a king of their own, Jeroboam, the tribe of Benjamin adhered, and these two formed the kingdom of Judah. St. Matthew adds the word Judah to distinguish the town from another Bethlehem in the tribe of Zebulon, in Galilee. So St. Jerome. This was Herod I, the son of Antipater, surnamed the Great, and of Ascalon, and an Indumean by race, whom the Roman Senate, on the recommendation of Antony, created the first king of Judea after its conquest. Matthew makes mention of Herod to intimate that the scepter was now transferred from Judah to an alien, for such was Herod, and therefore that Messiah or Christ was now come. For the patriarch Jacob had foretold that this should be a sign of his advent. Genesis 49.10 So St. Chrysostom and Theophylact. Herod, being aware of this prophecy, applied the oracle to himself in order to strengthen his kingdom. He wished to be accounted the Messiah, and therefore he built the most magnificent temple for the Jews, and dedicated it on the anniversary of the day when he commenced his reign. Herod Antipas, who beheaded John the Baptist, was the son of this Herod the Great. He also it was who clothed our Lord in his passion with a white robe and mocked him, and the grandson of Herod the Great. By his son, Aristobulus, was Herod Agrippa, who killed James, the brother of John, and who was smitten by an angel and died. And the son of this Agrippa was Herod Agrippa the Younger, before whom Paul the prisoner was pleaded. Acts 25-23 Selenius, Skellinger, and others think that Christ was born in the 36th or last year but one of Herod's reign, for he reigned 36 years. But Barnius thinks that Christ was born in the 20th year of Herod, Abul in the 30th, Bede in the 31st, Eusebius in the 32nd, Sulpicius Severus in the 33rd, Toridilius in the 34th, and others give other dates, so that in a matter of such uncertainty, nothing can be exactly determined. Behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? Wise men, Greek magi, a common word among the Persians, whence the Persian translation of St. Matthew has here, Megusan, magi, or wise men, or astrologers, or philosophers. The word seems to be derived from the Hebrew as Genebrard, on Matthew 1, thinks from the root haga, to meditate, whence magim, those who meditate. For meditation is the key of wisdom. As Ptolemy says in the Proomium of Amalgistus, hence those who are given to meditation either are or else become wise. The Chaldees, following the Hebrews, were accustomed to call their philosophers magi, according to St. Jerome, Hence the Arabians, Syrians, Persians, Ethiopians, and other Orientals, whose languages are either derived from or akin to Hebrew, call their wise men or astrologers magi, according to Pliny and Tertullian. Come to Jerusalem, one, because they thought that the king of the Jews must be sought for in the royal city. So St. Leo says, 
2. Because the chief priests and scribes and doctors of the law were at Jerusalem, who from the prophetic oracles would be likely to know where and when Christ should be born, as in fact they did inform the wise men that he should be born at Bethlehem. For prudently the Magi, although they had the star, wished to consult also the living interpreters of God's will. And thus it was that the star for a time withdrew itself, as though to compel the wise men to approach the scribes. For it is God's will that men should be taught by men, and by doctors appointed by himself the way of salvation. From the East, Greek, Apoenatolim, i.e. from eastern parts, as though these magi came from several regions or provinces of the East. You ask from what country the magi came. 1. Clement of Alexandria, St. Chrysostom, Cyril of Alexandria, and St. Leo, cited by Baronius, think that they came from Persia, but the distance would seem too great, for Persia is 300 leagues from Judea, which the Magi would scarcely traverse in 13 days. It is true that with dromedaries, which can travel 40 leagues in a day, the journey might be accomplished post-haste in that time, but those kings with their luxuries and their litters were not travelers post-haste, and could not perform the distance in any such time. And the more common opinion of the fathers and doctors is that the Magi came to Bethlehem on the thirteenth day from the first appearance of the star and the birth of Christ, and there adored him, and that this is the force of the word, lo, also because they found Christ still remaining with his parents among strangers at Bethlehem, and they a little after returned with Christ to their own city, Nazareth. This is the opinion of St. Augustine and St. Leo, whence also the church commemorates this mystery on the thirteenth day after Christmas. 2. Others, with more probability, think that the Magi were Chaldeans, both because the Chaldeans were addicted to astrology, and these Magi recognized Christ by the teaching of a star, and because they themselves were followers of Abraham, who was called by God out of Chaldea into Judea, and so St. Jerome Chilchindius, the Platonic, and Jensinius. 3. Abul and the Jesuit Sebast, Baradai, think that the Magi were Mesopotamians, because Balaam, who predicted the star, was from thence. 4. Navarius asserts that he received from Jerome Osorius, Bishop of Algarbi, and a celebrated writer, that it is found in very ancient records of Calcut that the king of Calcut was one of the Magi, or certainly a chief associate of the three wise men. It is credible that this may have been afterwards the case when the Magi preached with St. Thomas the Apostle in that place. See Osorius on the actions of Emmanuel, the king of Portugal, where he asserts from Indian traditions that the king of Craganorm, which is not very far from Calicut, was one of the Magi, for that the two other Magi, the Persian and the Karamian, as they were hastening to Christ with the star for their guide, associated with themselves this Indian king, and that hence he was called Karapimal, or one of three. He adds that he was nearly black and was like an Ethiopian. Malefi has a similar account where he calls this prince 
Perimial, and asserts that he was king of Telenum, and that the star was his guide to Christ, by the admonition of the Indian Sibyl. 5. And most probably these Magi were Eastern Arabians, whence Tactus says that Judea was bound by Arabia on the east. This is proved, one, because it was the opinion of St. Justin, Tertullian, Cyprian, Epiphanius, and others, whom Baronius cites. Two, because this answers best to the prophecy of Isaiah, who foretells that the Sabians, Midian, and Epha, who were all Arabians, should come to Christ with presence. And it would appear that the church has thus understood Isaiah's prophecy, since she so frequently recites it in the office for Epiphany. This is likewise plainly in accordance with the psalmist. The kings of Tarshish and the isles shall give presents. The kings of Arabia and Saba shall bring gifts. Psalm 72.10 3. Because Arabia is nearer to Judea than Chaldea, India, Persia, etc. 4. Because the queen of Sheba was a type of these kings, and she came with similar presents from Arabia to Solomon, a type of Christ. And although this queen is said to have come from Ethiopia, yet this Ethiopia was not Abyssinia, but part of Arabia, for she came from eastern, not western Ethiopia, as St. Anthem says. Arabia includes the Red Sea and the adjacent regions, especially the neighboring part of eastern Ethiopia. So the Medianites are called Ethiopians because of their black or dark color, whence Moses' wife is called an Ethiopian woman. Numbers 12. Also, the Red Sea is called the Arabian, not the Ethiopian Gulf, because Arabia stretches itself even beyond it. Hence again, it is probable that one or more of the Magi were black, both because this is the universal opinion, as painters thus depict the adoration of the wise men, and because the Queen of Sheba is said to come from Ethiopia, and the Ethiopians shall fall down before him. Psalm 72.9 And the Magi are called kings of Tarshish, i.e. of the Red Sea. 5. It is plain from the gifts which the Magi offered to Christ. Arabia abounds in gold, frankincense, and myrrh. This is why it is called Felix, the happy. Nowhere is frankincense, says Pliny, except in Arabia. In Virgil, the frankincense tree belongs to the Sabians alone. And India sends ivory, the unwarlike Sabaeans, their frankincense. In this Arabia, there is also abundance of myrrh and spices, so that they use none other than such wood for kindling fires. In the same country, there is so great a quantity of gold that their furniture is resplendent with it. And in Saba of Ethiopia, even the prisoners' chains are made of it. 6. Because of the prophecy of Balaam, concerning the star of these wise men, was uttered in the land of Moab, which was a part of Arabia. See St. Jerome. See also Plinda, who shows that the queen of Sheba came to Solomon and the three magi to Christ. From Saba in Arabia Felix, a district inhabited by the Hormati, among whom the Christian religion afterwards marvelously flourished under Eligon, who received it from the kings, his ancestors, who were probably these magi. 
The common opinion of the faithful is that these magi were kings, that is, petty kings or princes, and this belief, let Calvin laugh as he may, is handed down by St. Cyprian, Basil, Chrysostom, Jerome, Hilary, by Tertullian, Isidore, Bede, Eutychus, who are all cited by Maladonatus and Berenius. St. Matthew, however, does not call them kings, but magi, because it was the part of these last to recognize Christ by the star. Hence also, in Psalm 72, they are called kings of Tarshish, and kings of Arabia and Saba. Again, that they were three in number from the three species of gifts which they offered, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, is taught by Augustine. The pious tradition of the faithful favors the same opinion, and the office of the church for Epiphany implies it. The author of the imperfect work upon St. Matthew in St. Chrysostom asserts that after the resurrection of Christ, St. Thomas the Apostle came to the country of these magi and baptized them and associated them with him in preaching the gospel. Venerable Bede, to whom we may well give credit, in his Collectania, not far from the beginning, names and describes them as follows. The first is said to have been called Melchior, an old man, gray-headed, with flowing beard and locks. He presented gold to the Lord, the king. The second was Gaspar, young, beardless, and ruddy. He, with frankincense, as an oblation worthy of God, honored God. The third was Phucus. He had a full beard, and by means of myrrh signified that the Son of Man should die. Lastly, some say that these magi, as they preached Christ, were slain by the idolaters and gained the crown of martyrdom, and offered themselves, as it were, in holocaust of gold and frankincense and myrrh to Christ. Amongst these, L. Dexter, in his chronicle, under A.D. 70, says, In Arabia Felix, in the city of Sasanian, took place the martyrdom of three royal magi, Gaspar, Bathalziar, Melchior. From Sasenia, their sacred remains were translated to Constantinople, from thence to Milan, and from Milan to Cologne, where they still remain and are greatly venerated, and where I myself have often honored them. Who was born king of the Jews? Observe here the faith and greatness of the soul of the Magi, who in the royal city seek another king rather than the reigning monarch, nor fear the wrath and power of Herod, because they trusted in God. The King of the Jews Put antonomastically for Messiah or Christ. Wherefore, when Herod heard this question, he gathered the scribes together and asked them where Christ should be born. For the star was the index of Christ, whence it is subjoined, for we have seen his star. This is what is meant, the king of the Jews, yea, of heaven has been born. For a star of the heavens has made him known to us. It has called us, it has invited all to visit him, to honor and adore him. For in this new star, which has been put forth in heaven, heaven manifests her admiration of so great a king, even the word incarnate. When Christ is born, the heaven is astonished, the angels are amazed, and wondering at the love of God for man, they sing with jubilation, glory to God in the highest, that so they may arouse senseless men to wonder at and venerate so great condescension. 
So from a like cause, at the passion of Christ, the sun and the moon were darkened, the earth quaked, rocks were rent, graves were opened, to show that their God was dying, and to manifest their sympathy. This is what Haggai foretold. Yet a little while I will shake the heaven and the earth, and the desire of all nations shall come. And this also Habakkuk was amazed when he said, I consider thy works and was afraid. In the midst of two living creatures thou shalt be known. That is to say, in the manger by the shepherds and the magi. Wherefore, Francis Meroy, in a sermon on the Nativity, teaches that the incarnation of the Word was a greater and more stupendous work of God than the creation of the world. For man is more distant from God than he is from nothing. For man is finite, God is infinite, and by the incarnation God is united to man. But in creation man is united to nothing, that is, to a body created out of nothing. Lastly, from the star, that impostor who, a little after Christ, under the emperor Adrian, feigned himself to be Messiah, gave himself a name. He excited the Jews to rebel against the Romans and became their leader, calling himself Barchochibas, i.e. son of the star, saying that he for their salvation had glided down from heaven as a great star to bring the help of light to diseased mortals who were condemned to long darkness. Thus Eusebius, but this star soon set, for he and all his followers were cut off by the Romans. Appropriately did a star lead the three royal magi to Christ, the king of kings, for a star has the appearance of a kingly crown, with its resplendent rays, and therefore a star is an emblem of a king and a kingdom. Whence God promises to Abraham, saying, Number the stars of heaven, for so shall thy seed be. Here, amongst other things, he designates the kings of Israel and Judah, who should spring from Abraham, but especially Christ the king. Hence unfolding the same thing, God says to Abraham explicitly, Kings shall come out of thee. Wherefore, St. Fulgentius says, Who is the king of the Jews, at once poor and rich, lowly and exalted, who is carried as a babe and worshipped as a god, a babe in a manger, incomprehensible in heaven, sordid in rags, priceless among the stars. Hence has been taken that ancient military order of the kings and princes of France, who bore the figure of a star in their vestments, with this motto, the stars show the way to the kings. This order was afterwards changed by Louis XI of France into the order of St. Michael. The order of the star was first instituted by Robert of France about A.D. 1022, in honor of the Blessed Virgin, to whom that monarch was greatly devoted, because she is the very star of the sea, imploring that she, like a guiding star, might be the leader of his kingdom, and especially of the nobles. Wherefore he elected thirty knights of the chief nobility of France to be of this order, and give to each a golden collar with a star pendant on the breast. For we have seen his star, namely, of the King of the Jews, i.e. Christ or the Messiah, newly born. From hence it would appear that this star extended its rays with greater length and brightness in the direction of Judea, 
in the same manner that comets extend their tails towards such and such a country, so that the Magi might understand that they were to go in the direction of Judea, where Messiah was to be born. This seems to be the force of the word for in this place. Wisely does St. Gregory say, All the elements testified that their creator was come. The heavens acknowledged him to be God, and so they sent the star. The sea knew him, for it suffered him to walk upon it. The earth knew him, for when he died it trembled. The sun knew him, for he hid his rays. The rocks and stones knew him, for they were rent asunder. Hell knew him, for it gave up the dead that were in it. And yet him whom all the senseless elements felt to be the Lord, the hearts of the unbelieving Jews, even yet acknowledge not by any means to be God, and harder than the flintstones, they will not be broken by repentance. You will ask how the Magi, when they saw the star, knew by it that Christ was born. In the first place, the Priscillianists, as St. Gregory testifies, said that this star was the fate of Christ. And as fate determines things future, so this star signified and determined Christ. But this opinion St. Gregory rightly refutes, saying it was not the child who hastened to the star, but the star to the child. So may it be said that the star was not the fate of the child, but the fate of the star was the child who appeared. St. Augustine also confutes the astrologers, who say that the stars assign their fates to everyone. A second opinion is that of the imperfect author. This star, he says, was distinguished by the figure of a boy bearing a cross, because the light of faith manifested the incarnation and cross of Christ. But this is said without foundation. It is not related in any history except that of the Scythani, of whom presently... I say, therefore, that the Magi knew Christ was born by the token of a star, one because Balaam had prophesied of it. Numbers 24:17, A star shall rise out of Jacob. But the Magi were the posterity or successors of Balaam. The meaning, therefore, of Where is he who was born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star, viz. We seek him whom we all have hitherto expected to be designated by a star. And now, since we have seen the star, we believe that he has been born. There is, moreover, this oracle of the Euthurian Sibyl extent. The Magi worshipped the star, recent and divine, and when they followed the commands of God, an infant was shown to them in a manger. That the Magi knew that this star was the harbinger of Christ from Balaam and Sibyl is the opinion of St. Basil, St. Jerome, Origen, St. Leo, Eusebius, Prosper, St. Cyprian, Procopius, and others, whom I have cited on Numbers 24:17, whence Suantius say that it was then a general belief that a king would come forth from Judea, who would have universal dominion. This the heathen falsely applied to Vespasian. Chalcidas, who was a heathen and Platonic philosopher, Commenting upon the Timaeus of Plato, thus writes, There is another very sacred and venerable history, meaning the Gospel of St. Matthew, which tells of the rising of a certain star, not one denouncing disease and death, but declaring the descent of a god to be worshipped, for the sake of converse with man and mortal concerns.
when certain wise Chaldeans, in a journey by night, had seen this star and had well considered the circumstance, they are said to have searched for God newly born. And when they had found the August child, they worshipped him and presented gifts suitable for so great a deity. The author of the Imperfect Homily, upon the passage of St. Matthew, adds that the successors of Balaam, after his prophecy concerning the star, deputed some persons in each generation to watch the heavens, who might observe the rising of this star on the mountain which is called Victoralius. And at length, when these magi were watching for its appearance, it came, he says, upon that mountain of Victoralius, descending, as it were, in the form of a little child, and upon him the likeness of a cross. And it spoke with them and taught them and told them to go to Judea. And they went. The star went before them for the space of two years, and they wanted neither food nor drink. But the rest of all things which were done by them is compendiously related in the gospel. These things, however, are of doubtful credit and are taken from the apocryphal books of the Sethianae, as the writer acknowledges. 2. More probably, they knew by a divine instinct and revelation, for the Magi were endowed with a hidden celestial afflatus. This they heard as St. Augustine, telling them in a language of heaven, as it were, that Christ was born in Judea. Thus they followed the star to Bethlehem and the cradle of Christ. For as St. Leo says, God who manifested the sign of the star gave understanding to those who beheld it. For he made it to be understood and inquired after, and being sought after, he presented himself to be found. The brightness and majesty of the star were so great that the Magi understood that something divine was portended, even that God, as the Holy Spirit suggested to them, had become incarnate. In fine, the divine countenance of the child Christ shed forth such a ray of heavenly light as illuminated the eyes, but still more the minds of the Magi, so that they perceived that the infant was not a mere man, but true God. For as St. Jerome says, on the ninth chapter of Matthew, the splendor and the majesty of the hidden divinity, which shone even in his human face, were able at the first glance to attract those who beheld him. You will ask, secondly, of what kind, and how great was this star? Was it of the same nature as the rest of the stars, or was it peculiar and diverse from others? For the writer concerning the marvels of Scripture thinks this star was the Holy Ghost, who, like unto a dove, descended upon Christ, by means of a star, guided the Magi. 2. Origen, Theophylact, St. Chrysostom, and Maldonatus think that this star was an angel, because indeed an angel was the mover, and, as it were, the charioteer of the star. 3. Others think that it was a real and a new star, similar to the one which appeared in the constellation of Cassiopeia, A.D. 1572. 4. Others think that it was a comet, but I reply that it was a new and unknown star, entirely different from other stars, and superior to them in nine prerogatives, and, as one may say, portents. It was formed by the angels for this purpose, that it might lead the Magi to admire it, that they might feel assured that it presaged something new and divine. 1. This star surpassed all others as to its creation or production, for they were produced on the fourth day of the creation, 
but this was produced upon the very night of Christ's nativity. It was therefore a new star, and was never either seen before or after this time. So St. Augustine. 2. In this material, for in other stars this is celestial, but in this it was aerial, for the angels framed it of condensed air and infused brightness into it. 3. In place, for other stars are in the firmament. This was in the atmosphere. It went before the Magi in their journey from Arabia to Judea. 4. In motion, other stars move in circles, but this went straight forward, for it moved in a direct line from east to west. 5. In time, other stars only shine by night, for the sun's light obscures them during the day, but this was as bright by day during the shining of the sun as it was by night. 6. In duration, for the other stars always shine, this was temporary, for it continued only during the period of the wise men's journey, and afterwards it vanished. 7. In size, for the other stars are greater than the earth and the moon, but this was less than either. This, however, appeared greater because it was nearer the earth, just as the moon appears larger than the fixed stars because it is nearer to us, although it is in reality far less. 8. Being inconstant, for this star sometimes hid itself, as at Jerusalem, at other times it was visible and a guide for their journey. When the Magi went forward, it went forward. When they rested, it rested. At length it stood over the house where the child was. And then, as though its work were accomplished in Christ's epiphany, it vanished. The other stars have no such property. 9. In splendor, in which it surpassed all the other stars, went St. Ignatius, who lived a little after Christ, in his epistle to the Ephesians, writes thus, The stars shone so as to surpass in brightness all that were before it, for its light was indescribable, and struck with amazement all who beheld it. For all the rest of the stars, together with the sun and moon, were a kind of chorus of audience for that star, for it surpassed them all in splendor. Prudentius, in his hymn for the Epiphany, says, that star which surpasses the sun's orb in beauty and radiance. St. Chrysostom says the same thing, whence St. Leo says, a new star appeared in the eastern parts to the three magi. It was brighter and more beautiful than all the other stars. It attracted to it the eye and the mind of those that beheld it, so that it was immediately perceived that this strange sight was not without a purpose. This star was a new meteor formed by the angels from the atmosphere, and filled with an immense light, and moved by an angel, like the pillar of fire and cloud, which guided the Hebrews through the desert to the promised land. So St. Chrysostom, Flugentius, Basil, and others. Indeed, that pillar was a type of the star. Truly does St. Chrysostom say, Thou, O star, by thy advent callest the Magi from the east, and sendest them back to preach the gospel in their own land. Furthermore, in the books passing under the name of Seth, the son of Adam, there are various things related of the Magi, and of the star in the figure of a child carrying a cross, etc., which seems to have been fabricated by the Sethanists' heretics. Also Gregory of Tours, says Hamo, relates that this star fell into a well, where it may be even now seen, but only by virgins, and that once three men came to behold it,
and that only one of them who was a virgin could see it. But such things, says St. Anthelm, are fables and trifles. Allegorically, Christ is the bright and morning star. Revelation 22.16 Whence St. Ambrose saith, Christ is the star, for the star shall rise out of Jacob, and a man come forth of Israel. And fine, where Christ is, there is the star, for he is the bright and morning star. Therefore doth he make himself known by his own light. Again, the star of the sea, that is, of this storm-tossed world, who shows us thereby the way, and goes before us to the harbor of safety, is the Blessed Virgin, whence her name Mary. The Hebrew Miriam means teacher or mistress, or guide of the sea. Behold the star, invoke Mary, says St. Bernard. Hence also the church invokes her, saying, Hail, star of the sea, bounteous mother of God. Tropologically, the star is one, the faith of a believer, two prudence, three precepts, four evangelical counsels, especially obedience to a superior, five holy inspirations infused into the mind by God, whereby he calls the soul to some action, in a more perfect state, as, for example, virginity or martyrdom. God, let us say, calls thee to sanctity and heroic virtue, to a state of perfection. He shows thee a star to go before thee on the road to heaven. Gaze then upon it, follow it, lest the star of a divine vocation, being seen of thee, be despised, and in the day of judgment accuse and condemn thee before God. There is nothing, therefore, too difficult for the humble, says St. Leo, nothing too rugged for the meek, and all things can be accomplished when grace furnishes her assistance, and obedience lightens the command. Hear St. Gregory, behold, God calls us by himself, by the angels, by fathers, by prophets, by apostles, by pastors. He calls us also by our own selves, by miracles, very often by chastisements. He calls us by worldly prosperity, and sometimes by adversity. Let no one despise the call, lest the time should ever come when they will wish to answer and not be able. Anagogically, doctors and whoever instruct many to righteousness shall shine as the stars forever and ever. Daniel 12.3 and Revelation 2.28 Wherefore, St. Leo says, Whosoever shall live a godly life in the church and shall seek those things which are above and not which are upon the earth is like a heavenly luminary. And whilst he himself preserves the brightness of the holy conversation, he, like a star, shows to many the way of the Lord. In such a course ye all ought, well-beloved, to profit one another, that in the kingdom of God, at which we arrive by means of a right faith and good works, ye may shine as the children of the light. Lastly, the star invites and calls us to heaven, that by means of a heavenly life we may come to the most blessed company of the angels and all the heavenly citizens. End of Matthew chapter 2, verse 1.